Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. Stand with me this morning as we read from 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 through 24, 18 through 24, John writes this, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded. In 24, whoever keeps His commandments abides in God and God in Him. And by this, we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Father, again, we come to you thanking you, praising you. Lord, as a child of God, we need not be concerned and we need not question whether we are a true child of God because we bear fruit that says we are a true child of God. And Lord, your word this morning lets us know the marks of a true child of God, Father. But I pray that they're your words and not mine, Lord. As we walk through this, I pray again that our hearts are, are, are open and receptive to hear your words this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A young man thinking about marriage had a list of requirements against which he checked off every girl that he met. Finally... He saw a girl who met most of his requirements, and within five days, they were engaged fairly quickly. While they were driving to her parents' house one afternoon, he slammed his foot on the brake and pulled over to the side of the road, and he must have forgotten one requirement, and he said this, Oh, I forgot to ask you if you are healthy. Well, she responded with affirmation, and the marriage continued forward. So let's suppose this morning... But that young man had put this list of his in writing. Maybe on that list he had uh, this requirement. She's to keep the house clean and tidy. Or maybe this requirement. She is to keep the laundry done and the dishes cleaned. Or maybe she was to not cut her hair short. She was to dress a certain way and on and on and on and on. Well, let's also suppose that one day... The wife finds this list. And to her surprise, she's been doing most of the things on the list. But she realizes there's a few things on the list that she hasn't been doing. And as she reads the list, she considers how she was going to meet her husband's expectations. How was she going to meet those requirements 
that her husband had set forth on his list. Well, as she ponders this dilemma she's found herself in, the fact that she needs to meet those requirements, she, she, she says to herself, I'm not going to meet those requirements based on it being my duty as a wife. No, she was going to meet those requirements based on a love of her husband. It was based on love. We need more true love in our world. Would you agree? We can't pump up love. We can't force love to exist. True love comes only from a relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship with Christ fills the believer with the love of Christ. And the love of Christ, listen now, the love of Christ is what compels us to love our fellow Christians. So according to John, it was love or the lack thereof that separated the children of God from the children of the devil. An absence of love. An absence of love is seen in the child of the devil. We've, we've talked about that. They had a murderous heart, a hateful heart, a selfish heart. All because a lack of love. So it stands to reason that the child of God will stand in sharp contrast to the child of the devil. In fact, John makes that point clear in our passage this morning. So the point this morning is this. The lives of the children of God were marked by a love for one another. So for us as Christians today, as the children of God today, our life should be a picture of love for those around us, our fellow believers. And that should be proof that we are a child of God. So this morning we're going to consider three things. And it's going to all revolve around a love for one another. We're going to consider the lifestyle of the child of God. So the child of God, number one, has a lifestyle marked by love in action. Love in action. Look at verses. Look at verse 18. John writes this, little children. Now remember, he's talking to believers. He says, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. How many of you know people who talk a good game? Shake your head, yes. Shake your head, yes, in the affirmative, yes. We all know people who talk a good game. All right, when they talk, they've got it all figured out. They've done this or they've done that. They'll tell you that they will do something. And in the end of the reality of it is they're not going to do what they told you they were going to do. They're all talk. They're all talk. They may say, sure, I can do this or that. Or sure, I will do that for you. And in reality, it's all talk. There's no follow through. There's no actions. There's no deeds To follow along with our talk. It is simply lip service. It's empty words. It's idle chatter. It's mere words coming from the mouth of the speaker. In fact, in this case, John is saying, hey, you may say that I love you. You may tell your fellow believer, yes, oh, I love you. But the reality is it's only words. It's only idle talk. It's only idle chatter. Think about a marriage relationship. 
How long will the marriage relationship last if the husband or wife, they say, I loved you, but there's no action to back up those words? Think about an employee-employer relationship. The employee tells the boss, yes, I'll do that for you. But there's no action, there's no deed following those words. How long do you think that employee is going to last? Those of you that own a business, probably not very long. How about a parent-child relationship? A mom or dad who says, yes, I love you, son or daughter, but there's no action to follow that up. It's all about love, and it's all about action. But here, what John is saying is there was a lot of, of talk There was a lot of action with the mouth, but there was no action with deeds. The Pharisees. Think about the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the scribes were notorious for this. Jesus rebuked them in Matthew chapter 15. He's quoting from the prophet Isaiah. He said this, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said this? These people honor me with their lips. Lip service. But what? Their hearts are far from me. For the child of God, however, it must be more than mere words. It's got to be more than idle chatter. There's got to be more beyond just me saying I love you or me doing saying I'll do this or I'll do that for you. No, John says here it's got to be deeds. Deeds are an act. It's something done. Notice the emphasis here. The emphasis is on action. The emphasis is on action. It's walking the walk, so to speak. Think about Christ on the cross. Imagine if it would have just been mere words from God. Yes, I'm going to send my son, but he never did send his son. Imagine if it would have been mere words for Jesus. How many times did Jesus tell his disciples and predict his death? Imagine if it would have been just mere words. It was an active love when Jesus went to the cross and He died on the cross. God showed His love when He sent Jesus. And when Jesus went to the cross, He showed His love. It was an active love. He went to that cross, bore our sins, bore the wrath of God. It was done in truth. There was a certainty about it. It was a fact That Jesus loved us. That God loved us. Because He showed it in His actions. He showed it in the way He did things. It was an objective truth. What does that mean? That means it was a reality. It was a fact. We live in a world where it's, truth is subjective. It's based on feelings. It's based on how you and I feel. If I want it to be true, I'll be. it'll be true. It's an objective truth. It's a reality. And that truth is based on Scripture. It's based on the Gospel. We notice what he says in verse 19. He says, by this, what John is saying here, he's by that by this there is this, when we love in deed and in truth and not in word and talk, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth. Notice here. 
of the truth. We see a contrast of that. Look back in verse 12 with me. He says, we should not be like Cain, who was what? Of the evil one. Notice the contrast there. Of the evil one. That means of the devil. Of there, it's an origin or source. Cain was of the devil. He was of the evil one. But John says, those of us who love in deed and in truth, we are of the truth. Again, truth being the gospel. Truth being scripture. So there's a contrast here of the child of God and the child of the devil. The child of God is of the truth and their actions prove that they are of the truth. Again, truth there. It's the principles of the word of God. It's scripture. It's God's word. But we know we are a child of God when we act upon God's word. It's it's when we read and we meditate on the word of God, when we study scripture... And we just talk a good game. We talk like we know Scripture. We can quote Scripture. We memorize Scripture. And yet that's all we do. We memorize and we talk. We never obey Scripture. But notice what else John says. He says not only is it tell us that we are of the truth, but it also reassures our heart before Him. Reassure there means to back or it means again. There's an assurance. There's an assurance for the child of God when we love in deed and in truth. And that is his assurance is that we are truly a child of God. We have been saved. Heart there, it's cardia. It's our conscience. Basically our, our conscience is reassured when you and I, uh, again, when I, when I said in the beginning that God does not want us to question our salvation. He wants us to be sure in our salvation and we can be sure that we are a child of God if we love in deed and truth and not just in word, not just in talk. And that assurance is before him. Well, before who? It's before God. It's before God. The point there is this. When we stand before God and we are sure in our salvation, we can be sure that we are a child of God, that we love one another in deed and not just in word. And when we do that, think about this. When we do that, Christ looks upon the child of God and he is pleased. He's pleased. He's pleased. Why? Because what he sees, an obedient and loving servant. When God looks at us as a child of God and he sees us loving in deed and in truth and not just in word and talk, he's pleased. He's pleased with the child of God. My parents were not perfect parents. As many of us were probably not perfect parents. They had their faults. And I understand that some of those were because they had to raise my sister. Oh, and me as well, by the way. But one thing was certain. 
One thing was certain that I knew about my parents. I knew my parents loved me. It wasn't just word and talk with my parents. They cared for me. They provided for me. They provided for my needs and they provided for my wants. Even to the point where we couldn't afford it. But they took care of me. They provided for me. They told me over and over. And even to this day, they told me over and over, I love you, son. I love you, son. I love you, son. And it wasn't just word. It wasn't just talk. So there was no doubt about whether or not my parents loved me. And I'm sure they loved my sister as well. James writes this, he says, be doers of the word and not what? Hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's James chapter 1 verse 22. So here's some application points for us. Love of one another is more than mere sentiment. It's more than lip service. It's more than words. Love is active, it's an action. Love of one another makes it clear that we truly are a child of God. And our obedience and our love is pleasing in the eyes of Christ. That should be our only motivation. Is to please God. So love of one another is active. But there's a second mark of The child of God. The child of God has a lifestyle marked by the assurance of salvation. The assurance of salvation. There's three things you're going to notice about the next few verses. The first thing is that God is greater. Look at verse 20. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. One of the things that that many Christians deal with, and one of the things as a pastor, and I may have said this before, one of the things as a pastor that I hear over and over and over again is people questioning whether or not they're saved. Pastor, how do I know that I'm saved? How do I know that I'm a child of God? How do I know that I'm going to go to heaven one day? I put my faith and trust in Christ, but how do I know? And oftentimes that comes when our hearts, our consciences, our conscience accuses us, it condemns us. And when our heart accuses us, we struggle. We question. Surely, God, if surely if I was saved, I wouldn't be doing the things that I'm doing. I wouldn't be having the thoughts that I'm having. I wouldn't have the attitude that I have. But notice here, John speaks of a reality. Our hearts will condemn us. But there's a difference in our heart condemning us because of the sin detector that I've talked about before. Or that we're being convicted of legitimate sin. There's a difference. But that conviction should not lead us to question our salvation. 
If you don't get anything out of this, get this right here. That conviction should not lead the child of God to question your salvation. But the repentance of our sin. Repentance of our sin. It's not about questioning your salvation. But there's consequences that we deal with when we talk about our sin and our conscience and as it condemns us. And those are broken into two different areas. It's subjective consequences and then objective consequences. Those subjective consequences that you and I deal with, they're invalid. What do you mean by that? Well, it makes us question our salvation. It's influenced by our personal feelings. It's influenced by our tastes. It's influenced by our opinions. Think of it this way, a physical illness. Maybe we think a physical illness is, is God, is, 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 is God, uh, uh, be, uh, or, uh, uh, punishing us for something, punishing us for our sin, and it may, may very well be. I'm not saying that it's not. But what happens in our subjective consequence to that is we think, based on our feelings, that God is punishing us for a sin that we've committed, and it causes us to live an ineffective Christian life. Because we question ourselves. We question our salvation. Am I truly saved? But there's an objective consequence as well. And this is a valid consequence. This is when we're being convicted of legitimate sin. These objective consequences, they're based on fact. They're based on reality. They're not influenced by our personal feelings. They're not influenced by taste. They're not influenced by by our opinions. You know what they're influenced by? The Word of God. Scripture. And the Spirit convicts based on the truths of Scripture. And regardless of what we think, regardless of what you and I think, regardless of our opinions, regardless of our feelings, Scripture has spoken and we are to respond accordingly. And when we respond accordingly, we respond with repentance. We don't respond questioning our salvation. Because here's the great news about all of this. God is greater than our hearts. And God knows everything. God knows who the true children of God are. He knows that we can be sure of our salvation. He wants us to be sure of our salvation. He wants us to rest in the assurance of knowing that God does not condemn us. Our display is proof. Our actions are proof when we understand the, the valid, the validity of the facts and the realities of Scripture and knowing that we do and we are disobedient to Scripture. But that doesn't, shouldn't lead us to say, oh, Lord, am I truly saved? No, it should lead us to say, Lord, I know I'm a child of God. And I come to you in repentance. Because I know you are greater than my heart. My heart can deceive. Jeremiah says that the heart is, is it's deceptive above all things. My heart can deceive, but God is greater. God knows everything. Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says this, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. We can be sure of our salvation. Our hearts may condemn us, but God never will. 
Even Christians struggle with our insecurities and our doubts. But we can be sure we are a child of God when we show love for one another. And we understand that God is greater than our doubts. God is greater than our insecurities. But there's a second thing. Notice the believer's confidence here as well. There's a believer's confidence. Verse 21 says, Beloved, what a term of endearment John uses there. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Love, church, love banishes self-condemnation. When we are loving in deed and in truth, we live with confidence that Christ is pleased by what we, he sees when we are before him and he looks upon us. Confidence there, it's, it's free and fearless. It's a cheerful courage. We want to be cheerful in our salvation. We want to be fearless in our salvation. We want to be free to understand that we can be confident as a child of God. Why? Because we have an active faith. We have an active love. We don't just talk the talk, we walk the walk. And we can be confident in that. We can be assured of our salvation when we look at our lives. Think about Paul before Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. Stephen before the high priest in Acts chapter 7. Peter and John before the council in Acts chapter 4. What are these... All have in common with their hearts were clear. They were secure in their salvation. They were compelled by love. And most importantly, they were confident before Christ. Because of this assurance. When the child of God recognizes love manifested in their deeds. In other words, when we recognize the love that we show for others because we do things for others, they can be confident and assure salvation. We not only have confidence before God, but we also have answered prayers. Answered prayers. Look at verse 22. It says, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what Pleases Him. What a wonderful blessing of God. When God is pleased, we are rewarded. In this case, the child of God loves in deed and truth. We please God, and God in turn rewards us with answered prayers. And what this is all about, the will of God. Now, you may be asking yourself, so if I, the Bible says, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him. We've got to understand something. That doesn't mean that whatever I just ask of God, I'm going to receive. What John is saying here, that when we ask things of God, when we are doing the will of God, when we are keeping God's commandments. And when we are doing what pleases God. 
then we are in the will of God. And when we are in the will of God, what we ask will be in the confines of God's will. And when we are in the confines of God's will, God has no problem at all giving us what we ask for. Why? Because we're asking within God's will. Does that make sense? We ask from a pure heart. We ask from a confident heart. We ask from an obedient heart. We keep His commandments. The commandment there is to love one another in deed and in truth. We please Him. Notice that's from our perspective. From our perspective. We do things that please God. We do things that honor God. In this case, it's we love one another in deed and in truth. This emphasizes our confident attitude as we look to Him. Confident because we are obedient servants. We've done what God has asked us to do. We have nothing to be ashamed of. Our hearts cannot genuinely condemn us because we are being obedient servants to the commandments of God and in everything we do, trying to please Him. So really what we ought to be asking, y'all have heard the, uh, it, it's not really prevalent now, but WWJD, what would Jesus do? Maybe what we ought to be doing as children of God is asking these questions like this. Does it please Jesus? Would Jesus be pleased if I did this or did that or said this or said that? Would Jesus be pleased with this course of action that I'm about to take? If we were to pause, I think, and ask these very basic questions, I think we would settle the question of right and wrong. If we were to ask the question, what pleases Jesus? I think a lot of the things that we deal with and a lot of the things that we, the decisions that we make and a lot of the the places we go and the thoughts we have and all those kind of things, I think those will all go away. I mean, think about this. Think about the child and the parent. If you're a parent, imagine, imagine your child as being rebellious all day long. Everything you've told them, they've just disregarded everything you've said. They've done this instead of that. They've done that instead of this. And imagine later on that day, your child comes to you and asks you for something. How anxious, mom or dad, are you going to be to give them what they want? Not very anxious. Well, this is the way God is. If His children are being obedient to His commands, if His children are being doing things that please Him, how anxious do you think He is to reward us? Very, very anxious. But when we're being disobedient, when we're doing things contrary to what pleases Him, how anxious do you think He is to reward us? Not very. The psalmist writes this, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Matthew 7, 7. Jesus says, Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek. 
and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. When we love indeed in truth, it pleases God. When God is pleased, giving us what we ask for in prayer will be consistent with His will. And consistent with the true nature and character of God. And we benefit when we are obedient servants of God. Because He answers our prayers. And that leads us to our final mark this morning. As a child of God. The child of God is a lifestyle marked by the presence and power. It's like an engine in a vehicle. The ability of the child of God to love others comes from the presence of the Spirit living within the child of God. The child of God received the Spirit at salvation. And the power of that Spirit is working in and through the child of God. Think about this. The same Spirit that the Apostle Paul had, we have The same spirit that gave Stephen the power to stand up to those individuals when they were throwing stones at him. And he immediately, he he ended up dying from being stoned to death. That same power that lived in Stephen lives in us. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in the child of God. And the way we love others, the power we have to love others, comes from the power and the presence of the Spirit living within you and within me. And in these two verses, we get a summation of basically the themes of the entire letter of 1 John. We see belief, we see love, and we see obedience. Notice verse 23, it says, And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. Belief there, it's parallel to love and obedience. If we don't believe in something, if we don't believe in something or someone, we're probably not going to love that something or someone, and we're probably not going to obey that something or someone. The belief is in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Notice the the full inclusion of the name of Jesus here. He says, His Son. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son. That speaks of Jesus' majesty. That speaks of Jesus' deity. Christ, the Son of God. Jesus. Jesus represents His redemptive humanity. And you shall call him Jesus. It was Jesus who died on the cross for the sins of the world. Christ represents his messianic office, his divine authority. When John uses the name his son, Jesus Christ here, this represents all that Jesus is. His person, his work and his essence. In other words, when we believe on Jesus, we believe on Jesus as the Son of God and Jesus Christ Himself. We believe the entirety of Christ. We can't just believe on His deity. We can't believe just believe on His humanity. We believe on the entirety 
his person and his work and everything about him, his essence. Love. Notice the commandment that John gives here. The commandment is that we're to love one another. Well, who's the one another? Well, we've talked about that. One another is our fellow believers. Those sitting in the pews beside you. Those attending First Baptist in Moultrie. First Baptist in, in, uh, in uh, the wrong direction there. First Baptist in Norma Park. First Baptist in Moultrie. All those fellow believers were to love one another. If we can't get along with fellow believers, how do we expect to get along with non-believers? Love. It's love of fellow believers. It's belief that leads to love. And then there's obedience. Verse 24. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Keeps there. It means to speak. It speaks of obedience. We keep His commandments. This is not out of compulsion. In other words, I don't keep God's commandments out of duty. Because I feel like I have to. No, it's because I love God. Think of it as a triangle. The more we know God, the more we're going to love God, The more we love God, the more we're going to obey God. The more we obey God, the more we're going to know God. It's a natural progression. It's a natural thing. When we love God, it's natural that we're going to to be obedient to His commands. Think of it this way. you got two intersecting axes. you got a a Y-axis and an an X-axis. you got a vertical axis and a horizontal axis. The vertical axis is our relationship with God. When my vertical axis is on target, then my horizontal axis is going to follow naturally. Why? Because if my relationship with God is not right, then my relationship with others is not going to be right either. It's all about that love. It's all about that relationship with God. These three themes are proof positive of the true child of God. They believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They love God and they love others and they're obedient to God. Those who are obedient Abide in God. And not only that, those who abide in God, God abides in them as well. Here comes where we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Again, the Spirit is given to the believer at the moment of salvation. We've talked about the Spirit. The Spirit guides. The Spirit guards. The Spirit convicts. The Spirit guarantees. The Spirit instructs. The Spirit teaches. But also in this case, the Spirit compels us to love. So if we are a child of God and we don't love our brothers and sisters, why not? Check your vertical. 
We're filled with love of God through the Spirit of God. The child of God should be compelled to love other children of God. Notice what John doesn't say here. It's in and of ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but there are Christians that I have a hard time loving. So in and of myself, there's no way that I would love my fellow believers if it wasn't because, if it wasn't without the Spirit living within me to compel me to do that. Think of a bottle of water, a bottle filled with water. When poured out, will produce water. A bottle of Coke or Pepsi, when poured out, will produce Coke or Pepsi. Words and a pen filled with blue ink, when written with, will produce blue letters, words, and numbers. A child of God filled with the Spirit of God produces the fruits of the Spirit, and one of those is love. John fifteen four through 5 says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, there you go, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, as Jesus talking, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The very power to love our fellow sisters and brothers in Christ comes directly from the presence of love found in the child of God, and that is the Holy Spirit himself. And when the presence of the Spirit is within the child of God, the child of God will respond accordingly. In this case, will respond with a love for one another. So this morning as we close, let me ask this question. Do you have the assurance that you are truly a child of God? Have you come to the understanding that you are a sinner and there's nothing that you can do in and of yourself to save yourself? It is only through belief in Christ and putting your faith and trust in Him that you can be saved. That you can be broken free from the bondage of sin. Have you put your faith? Have you put your trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not, I offer you that today. I offer you that today. I offer you eternity today. I offer you Jesus. In my lifetime, I'm not sure that there has ever been a time when the children of God should be loving our brothers and sisters in Christ as today. So this morning again, I ask you this. Are you a child of God? Have you accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Is your eternity secure? If so, are you showing love? True, Holy Spirit-empowered love to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Lip service. Are you loving indeed? Are you loving in truth or are you just lip service? 
If not, your prayer this morning needs to be one of repentance. You can rest assured that you're a child of God. You can rest assured. But you need to repent. You need to repent. The lifestyle of the child of God is one of love and action. There's an assurance of salvation and it is made possible by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within. So my hope this morning and my prayer is this. That is the marks of your life if you're a child of God. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.